My name is Alex Barrett, and I'm the, the pastor here of, of Ridgeview, and we're so glad that you're here uh, to join us uh, this morning. And we're continuing a series uh, called Family Life uh, More or Less Ideal. And a series is something where I speak on a topic for a few weeks, and we kicked off this series on February 10th uh, for our grand opening. And so if this is your first time here, I want to just give you a brief history. Uh, we started about three weeks ago, and so... There it is. There's a history of it. No, there's more to it than than that. Uh, We've been doing monthly services uh, back in the fall, starting in October, and we've been meeting people and serving the community and really trying to share the difference that following Jesus makes uh, in everyday life. And so February 10th, we kicked off our weekly services. And so we're so glad that you're here and joining us for really the beginning uh, story. And one thing that we do every Sunday is we look at how the Bible relates to everyday life with the purpose of trying to actually live it out. Because if, if you're like me, uh, most of the time, we don't necessarily need to know more, right? I mean, we, we know a lot. We've heard a lot and we've seen a lot. What we need to do is actually, how do we think differently so that we can live differently? And so each week, that's really my goal is I want you to, to see how the scripture applies uh, to your life and how you can live it out. And once you live it out, how it really does make a difference. And that's what happens is as you start to kind of try to live by God's word, uh, you actually get power and, and he helps you. And that's what comes when, when you follow Jesus. And so my goal this morning is to kind of unpack a topic related to relationships and family life, uh, really with the goal of, of trying to, to help all of us in the specific arena of relating to other people. So I want to start off by just doing, doing like a, a brief uh, survey. And this is not you know, accurate, I'm going to count every person, but just if you could raise your hand, who of you consider uh, yourself like a planner? You are a, a planner, you have everything on your calendar, you really like things planned out. Okay, how many of you just thought, what, what's a planner? Okay, there's some, some of you, so it's, it's a mix, but it seems like we have quite a few uh, planners. How, how many of you really like to know, you know, everything you're going to do this next week? Like, it really helps you. you. You like to know, okay, this is the meeting, this is where I got to go, this is the time it, how many of you just kind of like to fly by the seat of your pants? Like, it's like, whatever happens, okay, now, now I see you. Well, I'm just glad you came today. You made it. Uh, for all of us, uh, we, we may be on one side of, of planning and calendar and task and everything has to be written. And then for some of us, that, that might just kind of feel like it obstructs the flow of life. You know, how can I feel it if everything's planned? And uh, I, I kind of... I'm more on the, the feel it side of things, uh, and so it, it really helps me in my life to, to have people that are a little bit more organized, and over time, I've, I've had to, to do that myself, organize my life, learning how to plan it, and what I do know is if things are not in my, in my calendar, uh, they're usually not in my life, and so there is a sense of planning, which is helpful, and organizing, which is good, and so uh, we're not going to spend the whole time talking about that. However... What we tend to do a lot of times in relationships is we tend to have a plan for other people. Have you ever had a plan for someone else's life? Now, you don't have to raise your hand because that's where it gets a little bit more like, wait, wait, wait a second. But have you ever had a plan for someone's life where you looked at somebody, maybe it's somebody close to you, maybe it's a sibling, maybe it's a parent, maybe it's a child, and you thought if they did this, things would be so much better for them. Any of you? Right? Yeah. I think all of us, uh, it's interesting. We may not be a plan type person, but we can tend to have plans for other people. 
And if you are a planner, then that usually follows the course, too. There's a sense in which no matter where we are in our own life, we can look at others and always think through what they should be doing. And I think as humans, there's just a part of that which comes naturally. Uh, You know, it's hard to sometimes look at our own life and what we need to do, but it's easy to look at others. And it's like, of course, they shouldn't do that. Or, of course, they should do that and they should go here. And, And it's easy when it's away from us. To see clarity or clarity for other people's life. And so I want to talk a little bit about the plan that we tend to have for other people that can get us into trouble. And it's all under the umbrella of a word called expectations. Expectations. We have expectations for people. Uh, to define expectations, it's, it's this, you'll see it. It says a strong belief that something will happen or be the case in the future. A belief that someone will or should achieve something. Now, we can have expectations for ourselves. And notice the definition there. It's a strong belief. Most of the time, it's beyond an opinion to the, the fact that we think they should do this. They need to do this. And some of the times, we can have an expectation for ourselves. I need to do this. I have to change in this area. And it starts with this idea of it's an opinion But then if you look at the definition, it's a strong belief. And oftentimes those opinions turn into like the sense of this, this is right or wrong. An expectation that we have for someone else and they should do something or they should achieve something. And so kind of the the idea I have is, is, is that we tend to have a plan for people's life. We do. The problem is when it's not your life, the people you have a plan for usually have an issue with that. And the reason this is so important in family life is there's dynamics again and again where there's expectations for somebody to do something. And the person may or may not know they're supposed to do that. That expectation turns to pressure. Have you ever felt like you knew somebody wanted you to do something and you just have this pressure on you to perform or to do it? Or you have that pressure to not do it? There's a, that rub a lot of times if you're a teenager in that time, it's like, I know my parents want me to do it, so I'll do the opposite So the pressure is to just not conform. So expectations leads to pressure. And then pressure ultimately leads to disappointment. There's a sense in which we're overwhelmed by the expectations on us if people expect some things for us. Or if we're the type that puts expectations on others, we're disappointed that either we did that. Like, why do I keep doing that? And you keep beating yourself up. Or you're disappointed because they they didn't do what you thought they should. Is this making sense? I'm talking about family dynamics here. I think all of us feel this, but we don't tend to talk about it. For instance, in family life, we don't say an honest conversation like, hey, you know what? I think the expectations on each other is a little too much. You tend to have a plan for my life. Now, usually it turns into, why don't you leave me alone? You ever felt yourself saying that just inside? Or, yeah, yeah, yeah. I was a pro at that. My parents gave me a plan for my life. Yeah, yo, yeah. Nodding and just like that is, I'm not going to do that, right? Nodding on the outside, disagreeing on the inside. And all these cause a lot of issues for us. I want to show a, a video clip. Now, this video clip is, is, is satire, and it's not, it's not real. I say that because when you watch it, you're going to be like, oh, my goodness, this is terrible. But it, it's proving a point of how expectation in relationships coupled with social media, can lead us to lots of problems. Let's watch this together. 
insane. This is there's nothing better than this, right? This is the greatest. Unbelievable. Look at this. I can't believe I... <gasps> Madison Marie, will you marry me? Babe. You hired a photographer, right? Yeah. Yeah, he's right. Yeah. I'm so sorry. Do you mind, um... Do you mind actually coming a little bit closer? I just, I don't know if it's going to share that well. If it's, like, what? so far back. Madison Marie, will you marry me? This is still from the back. Do you mind if we just switch spots so that the camera's... Madison Marie, will you marry me? Oh, my, my hair's up and I didn't realize. Do you mind if you scoot back so we get the skyline in the background? Madison Marie. Cut. Sorry, I don't like my middle name. Uh, can I take a look at that? I just want to see if it's... I wanted this to be a surprise, but at least you could have given me a hint. I don't look good in any of these. Okay. I'm sweating right now, and this can't be good for my complexion. What are you talking about? The lighting is, like, really harsh. It probably looked like a Picasso painting. It's... Cloud-wise, what are you thinking? More? Yeah. See, when, you, when you turn around, is right. it already going to be open? Yes. Madison Marie. I'm already wearing it. Oh, wait, all right, take it. Okay. Give me the ring back, and oh. then we'll start from the top. Okay, okay. okay. I read a blog. The perfect time for engagement is like 5 to 5.30. I'm trying to do something fun for you, and you ruin it. Ruin? Every... Oh, my gosh. Okay, I don't try. know if I can even do this anymore. All right, here we go. Well, you're going to be that... You're going to be turned around. Right. Anyway, so I'll just start right. on my knee. Everyone Thank you. You got a double chin in this one? Switching things up. We're going to have camera guy here, sound guy right here. John, continuity take right knee. I'm going to go left hand. This could be bigger, right? Can you Photoshop that? As soon as he opens the box, we're gonna have a sweeping zoom motion and then coming all the way up, revealing the beautiful skyline. I'm going to say yes, and it's gonna be great. All right, from top. So then I'm gonna either go here or here. What do you okay, think? How about, or we could go this way. Right? I feel like no one sees me though, because my face is pointed out. No one needs to see your face. <laughs> say it a little bit more like you believe in it. Like do it, how would I say it? Marrying you would be hashtag relationship goals. Who says that? You will, growing. <sighs> I just want it to be like how they do it in the movies. I don't know. I'm just not feeling the production value in this. Production? What What do you want from this? Oh, uh, I don't know. First thing that comes to my mind, La La Land. La they didn't even get married. Spoiler alert. Cut. Madison's engagement. Take 43. Great. Hurry. First positions. Put that somewhere. First positions? likes see what you women put us through that that there's this like my, my blood pressure goes up when i when i see that that's why i said you know it, it's not real i'm just glad that i proposed to my wife many many years ago before the pressure of a hashtag was around but i think that illustrates the point this is like a typical day where you may have an expectation of what your vacation will look like as a family what your day off will look like. And we tend to have this vision of what we want to happen, and then the reality comes, and it's nothing like what we thought. Actually, it's nothing what we expected. It doesn't match our expectations. And before we know it, we have expectations about all sorts of things. And so what ends up happening is the pressure mounts, disappointment rises up, and then we, we experience just the great letdown. People let us down because of the pressure they put on us, or... People let us down because they don't do what we thought they should, whether you're the person expecting it or you're the person that's receiving it. And this dynamic happens again and again and again and again. Your immediate family, your extended family, it happens with your friends. 
It actually happens at work. You expect certain things by coworkers for them to come through and help you in a certain way on a project you're working on. You expect your boss to understand you. You expect your employees to understand you as a boss. And all these things happen and cause so many difficult problems and relationship killers that just kind of destroy good relating. And so I want to talk a little bit about these letdowns and then what we, what we can do about it. So the first thing that happens when our expectations overwhelm and disappoint is the first thing is a hard heart. This is the result. Um, if we expect somebody from some, to do something and we really had a strong belief that they should do it and they don't do it, there's actually a sense in which we, we can wall them off. Like, I expected you to do that. You didn't come through and their trust is broken. What's crazy about the hard heart is that, again, they may have not come through for something they had no idea about. It may be an unrealistic, unspoken expectation. And the person just, they didn't do it because they didn't know. But we can wall them off because we feel like you, you didn't come through, as I thought. Another letdown is a prideful uh, spirit. Uh, in our expectations, because it's a strong belief that somebody will do something, if they don't do it, we can tend to actually, in pride, think, well, if I were you, I would have done that. If I were you, I would have handled that differently. If I were you, I wouldn't have reacted like that. Instead, I would have done this. And again, so many times, the outside looking in for someone else's life, we think we know better. We think we can do better. Before we know it, the hard heart, prideful spirit, it's risen up. Uh, next thing is a justified sin. Um, if you've ever been burned at work from a boss... You had an expectation that my boss is always going to treat me well. That's actually not a bad expectation, but it may not always happen. There's a boss that could be overwhelmed, stressed out. And in a moment, they, maybe they're harsh. Maybe they put pressure on you. But if you expect your life to always at work be just birds are chirping and it's always wonderful, what tends to happen with this, the justified sin, is my boss treating me this way, you know what? I'm going to slack off. I'm not going to work as hard. He doesn't deserve for me to work as hard. Now, we don't ever say this. This is all internal, but it happens. It's the same if an employee does something. We tend to think, like, that employee didn't come through, so I'm going to pass you over. You let me down this time, and I'm going to pass you over, whether it's promotion or just goodwill. I'm justified in doing wrong because of the wrong that you did or I think you did. The next is a revengeful attitude. This comes up a lot in family life. And if you, if you have kids, you may even have young kids, there's times where your kids can frustrate you so much that you begin to have irrational thoughts. Like, I'm going to make you pay. And you look and your two-year-old's like, really? Really, Dad? Yes, 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 yes. I didn't sleep last night. I'm being real. Like, sometimes as a young parent, you lose sleep. And it becomes all irrational. And before you know it, like, you kind of want to have revenge on your kid. Just being real. You guys know. But it, but it also happens as, as relationships progress, as our kids get, get older. It happens with our spouses a lot. Has your spouse ever done something that you didn't want them to do? And they let you down. There's an expectation you had that they weren't going to treat you like that, and they did. And then you do the old cold shoulder. You guys know what I mean? What's wrong? Nothing. Interesting. Nothing's wrong. No, it's great. Great day. Before smile. I'm great. How are you? 
And if they talk through the teeth as they're closed, watch out. A revengeful attitude, we, we make people pay. We lash out. All this is happening because people had plans for us. We had plans for them. And it didn't happen. And so I want to shift gears and talk about two things that can happen if you turn to God for help. Because you guys know this, but this stuff, when we get down to it, this is the stuff that destroys over time. Expectations wall up and corrode relationships to the point where if you have been the type of person that just keeps putting expectations on people, putting expectations on people, there is like burned bridges. The relationship, like there's, there's no life there. It's so rigid. Because the person feels like they, they failed you, but they're not exactly sure what to do. And then if you're the person that, you know, just feels like that's, that's always on you, you know, it's really easy to get that hard heart. And so there, there's two things that, that you can pray, and I, I want to I talk about that for the rest of the message. Uh, if you're following along in your handout, you can take notes, but it starts with, with this, this prayer. And you see it up there, God, help me. One of the things that happens when we're independent from God, and all of us were born independent from God, meaning we want to do life our own way, all of us. That's what sin is. God made us have a relationship with him, but sin is I'm going to do what I want to do when I want to do it, regardless of God. Whether we believe he's there or not, we don't want anything to do with him. And we do life our own way. And what tends to happen as we get in this expectation, uh, if people put that on us, there's two things. Either I can't please them, and it's not worth it, and so we just further in our independence. Or I want to please them, and so I'm going to keep trying to work harder. I'm going to keep trying to do better. And so we think that the way to a better life is just to keep checking off the box of doing good. People do this. People do this in the United States. They, they know that they need to be good enough, but they're not exactly sure what that is. And they can't fix themselves, and so they keep trying better and better. If they can't, they turn to things that numb the pain. This happens again and again and again. It's just this, this wheel that never stops and you can never get off. So to become somebody who, who gets off that wheel and can actually change, it, it actually starts with these three words. God, help me. Help me in my independence. Help me to not just keep thinking I can do life outside of you. So these three words are the most powerful part. God, help me. Help me to turn away from my independence. Help me to not think that I can be better or that I can... Solve my problems. We are an independent group of people, especially in the Western, in the West. We, we just think that we, we're self-made, self-praised, and we can do whatever we want. Expectations, though, and these relationship things I'm talking about, are the reminder of how delicate and fragile we are. Because all of us deal with disappointment, and we deal with pressure, and we deal with that feeling of we're not good enough. And the world just wants to say, try harder. Or do something different or some other cliche. But with God, he, he wants you to turn to him. So God, help me. And then the next part of the prayer is this, to live with thicker skin. Now, for those of you that are kind of the tough-minded type, this may be one of your prayers. You just need to have tough skin, thicker skin. Most of the time we say that when people aren't doing what we want them to do. But the idea of, of thicker skin 
uh, is an important trait when it relates to letting go of the things that we expect of people and letting go of the things that people put on us. It's this idea of we can be so sensitive to see our value in others. If you put your value in others, you are actually living as a thin-skinned person. Because did you know if your parents disagree or don't value what you do, then your self-worth is based on what your parents view you as. If you do it in your kids, you know, your kids don't think about you nearly as much as you do. Think about them. So make some kids. They're trying to live their own life. But if you put your value in them and what they do or don't do, you're very thin-skinned. Your worth is based on them. And again and again, we do that. How do people view me? If your value is there, you're thin-skinned, sensitive, always watching how you can please other people. And the opposite of that is, again, just independence. Well, I can't please anyone. I'm not good enough. I'm just going to do my own thing. So I want to share a verse that's been helpful to me in my life. Proverbs 19.11. It says this, Sensible people control their temper. They earn respect by overlooking wrongs. So as I've talked about things today, I hope there's been a, some of you that, that it's resonated. As I was writing this message and thinking it through, you know how many times I was like, oh, man, I've done this. I'm like speaking to myself. I don't do that out loud. That kind of freaks people out. But I speak this to myself all the time because it's a reminder of just that pressure and expectations we put on people so easily or the disappointment that we have as people do it to us. But this verse has been so helpful. Sensible people control their, their temper. Uh, sensible means, they're, in the original language, it's written in Hebrews, it means someone with understanding. So when you want somebody to do something, you tend to react. When somebody has a plan for you, you tend to react. Stop nagging me. Or you need to do this, you need to do that. And it's just, just keep biting at each other. Well, a sensible person take, takes a step back and actually sees the person, who they are, and what they're, what they're going through. To be a sensible person means you, you aim to be non-reactive. So as people let you down, you don't react to that. You don't beat them up. As people put pressure on you, you, you see, okay, my, my boss is stressed out, overwhelmed, and he's kind of lashing out. A sensible person sees that. And that thick skin is, okay, if my boss is mad, situation right now, that's not going to determine the value of who I am. I need to work hard. I need to do my role. But my boss does not set my value. That's what God does. So it's a different way of looking at it. A sensible person has understanding. And so as parents, we can do that. As bosses, we can do that. As friends, as siblings. And then to overlook there. The sensible person with understanding, they, they overlook wrongs. Overlook there means to, to pass over. So when somebody does, there's, again, two types of people. If you're putting the expectation on somebody and they don't come through, have you ever noticed when somebody doesn't do what you want them to do, isn't that all you can think about? You, you didn't do it. Well, but you didn't do it. And you can just become so transfixed. And as you focus on what's not done, it, it gets even bigger. So the disappointment grows. That's if, if you're doing the expectation. Now, if somebody's putting that on you, that becomes all you think about too. 
You know, if somebody's just putting like this weight of responsibility and you feel like you can't do it, all you think about is the weight. And all of a sudden your knees are like, is this getting heavier? And you just think about it more and then it gets heavier. And the weight may be not changing at all. But the fact that you're focusing on it, your knees begin to buckle a little bit more. And that's what we tend to do. We tend to be people that focus on the wrong. But a person with understanding means you, you pass over it. So if something happened and there's been disappointment, whether because somebody's put expectations on you or you put them on somebody, you, you, you pass over that. Okay, that didn't happen the way I wanted. They didn't do what I thought. Do you know what? What am I going to do? Control them? Make them do it? We can't control people. People have freedom. Their expectation, we want them to do it. And so, it's this, okay, help me to have understanding. Help me to be someone who passes over. And so there, there's a couple ways that, that, that help me do this. For me to get understanding, there's two ideas that I, that I want you to hold on to today. They're not in your handout, but you may want to write these down. This is what it means to be a sensible person who can overlook wrongs. Here's the first thought. People will let you down, so stop hoping they won't. I don't know about you. I need to hear that today. People will let you down, so stop hoping they won't. My wife and I, I, I think we're, we're somewhat tidy people. And we try to keep our house somewhat tidy because we're tidy people. Do you know when you have kids, that's not part of like the interview process. Like, are you going to be a tidy person? Because for you to live here, you need to sign this waiver. That'd actually be an awesome idea, but that goes against what I'm saying. Okay, but there's a sense in which when you have when you have kids, uh, at least for me, I didn't realize I had so many expectations on people until you have kids, and you realize that. There's a period in time where there isn't give and take. It feels like the best relationships are you give, I give. You take, I take. Then you have kids, they're like, load me up. Just do what you do, mom. Do what you do, dad. And with our kids, it's something I've realized. Like, I expect to go into my kid's room and act like they don't live there. Like, seriously, like their floor has stuff on it. And I'm like, why is there stuff on their floor? Because they're living people that aren't that responsible yet. But I have to, like, check that. I go by rooms. And I'm like, why, why does that not look like a museum? Okay, maybe that's a little exaggerated. Because that would kind of freak me out, like, like they're not here anymore, right? Some, you know. But I have to keep coming back. Like, they'll, they'll let you down. And the interesting thing about letting you down is that that even feels like they've, they've done something wrong. This isn't even they've done wrong. It's just... They've not done what I want. They've let me down. They may not have done nothing wrong at all. I have to remember that. Stop hoping they won't. When you do this, freedom comes back. Life comes back. People can actually be who who they are. Now, it doesn't mean, back to my kids, it doesn't mean that I don't teach them how to be responsible. It does, but I realize I'm doing that to people who have seven years of experience. Ten years of experience. And some of that, they couldn't even talk or walk. So even that is the most they'd have. But it's, it's, a, it's a way of looking at 
just, okay, people aren't going to do all that I think. And I've got to stop expecting them to. And then here's the second idea. This is really helpful, too, for me. Now, some of you may need to write this down. People can't meet your needs. So stop hoping they will. I think this is one of the biggest issues that people have without Jesus in their life. So what tends to happen is we have close relationships, and without realizing it, we look to that person to fulfill us. That's the greatest expectation we could ever put on somebody. I want them to make me happy. That's what we do. In the beginning, we get married, and we find somebody that wants to do that, and we want to do that to them. And what it becomes is a married couple that's trying to meet each other's needs. And there's a part of that which is right. Actually, when you get married, that's part of the vow you make. But ultimately, nobody can meet all your needs. Because it goes back to the previous point. People will let you down. So stop hoping that they won't. And this, people can't meet your needs, so stop hoping they will. This also provides life back to relationships. Because when you can pray the first part, God help me, what you're saying is, God, you can meet my needs. You can bring fulfillment. Every expectation I have for everyone else, it crumbles. But God, if I turn to you and I place my trust in you, you, you will always come through. Now with God, he's not a vending machine. So we can't just put our expectations on God like, okay, God, just give me what I want. It doesn't work like that. But as we live according to his will and we we do life his way and we follow him, what you find is there's fulfillment there that you, you can't get from any other relationship. So God help me to realize that I can't get my needs met, and so I have to stop hoping that they they will. Uh, There's a verse in uh, 1 Corinthians that I think illustrates this dynamic. When we are cursed, we bless. When we are persecuted, we endure it. When we are slandered, we answer kindly. This is what happens in a life when they believe those two statements. If people can't meet my needs... And if people are going to let me down, then this is real. This is going to happen. And this is actually written to Christians in the first century as Christianity is just getting started. And what he's describing is the fact that there's people who follow Jesus and get persecuted for their faith. People come against them because of what they believe. People that have decided, I'm turning to God to help me. And he is who I'm going to live for. And notice how this translates when we are cursed we, we we choose to bless people so not only am i not going to expect people to bless me but if they do wrong i'm going to look for a way to bless them when they're persecuted we endure it so when people come against me i'm with god's help going to stand strong for what i believe when we are slandered when people say bad things everything in us when people do that we we want payback that revengeful spirit again. But we, we answer kindly. The only way that a person can do this is through a relationship with Jesus. This is the most counterintuitive thing because everything in us is payback. Everything in us is prideful spirit. Everything in us is revenge, hard hearts, 
all those things that people let us down, this is what happens when you follow Christ. It's not a magic key. It is a different road. You live life his way. So that's the first part. Help me to have thicker skin. Help me to not expect people to do everything that I think they, they should do. And when they don't do it, help me to be gracious. That's what it means to live with thicker skin. The second part of the prayer, God help me to love with a softer heart. See, sometimes when we think thicker skin, again, we think walling people off. And there's some of us today that, that we've been hurt by people, and because they hurt us, we, we just, we've written them off. If there's, if there's that concrete wall, and they're on the other side of it, and we want nothing to do with them. Loving people with a softer heart doesn't mean that you ignore wrong that's been done. And it doesn't mean that you don't have to deal with pain. It doesn't mean that life comes together. But what it means is in, in the end, as you're trying to have God help you, it's always going to come back to love, loving people with a softer heart. The reason I say that is somebody asked Jesus, Jesus, what is the greatest command? Like, what is it what, at the end of the day that we're all supposed to do? And he responded, it's to love the Lord your God with all your heart, your mind, your soul, and your strength. So you love God. You give yourself to him. You go his way. You don't live independently anymore. You, you want to do what he says. He didn't finish there. He didn't let, let everyone off the hook. Because these were like religious people. Like, okay, we, we love God. And he says, and the second, the second is just like it. To love your neighbor as yourself. The neighbor is, is not just a physical address next door to you. The neighbor is the people that you relate to in your circles. To love your neighbor as yourself. Love God and love people. This is really where you see that, that the walls of expectations can crumble. Because if I love people, what it means is I'm actually going to look for their interests, not just my own. Our expectations of people, even if we expect the best for them, oftentimes it has our own kind of self Assurances that we want. Like, if they do that, that's going to make me look better. If they don't do that, that's going to help me, and it, it comes back to me. And again, the value that other people give to me. But ultimately, God, God gives me that. I want to close with this, this passage, Ephesians 4.32. This is a description of how you love with a softer heart. It says this, Be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving each other, just as in Christ God forgave you. When Jesus was on the cross, he, he was probably the person that was betrayed and could be justified in having a hard heart more than anyone. He was betrayed. He was betrayed by the religious people. He was betrayed by his own disciples, his own followers. He was innocent. He did no wrong. He blessed. He healed. He taught. He gave clarity where there wasn't any. He gave life to people who were dead. we killed him. And as he was on the cross, because he knew that he wanted to love God and he wanted to love people, he said this phrase. He says, Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. 
that represented the softest heart that anyone could have, being utterly betrayed, but realizing that they were being independent and blind to the plan God had. He says, forgive them. And the command for you as a Christ follower, if you follow Jesus today, the command in Ephesians 4.32 is for you. Be kind. That means to be pleasant, soft, and mild. When somebody lets you down, it means, again, you, you overlook it. You don't make them pay with a comment, with a cold shoulder, with an attitude. Uh, compassionate, it means tender-hearted. When people put pressure on us to do something, most of the time we're not thinking, let me have a tender heart towards them. We're thinking, I need distance and I need my space. But tender-hearted, it's society coming back to the understanding. What are they going through? Why are they, what's going on with them? Seeing it from their perspective. And then this forgiving is, is, to, is like this giving generously to people. And so you, you forgive, so you, you forgive generously, but it's also the sense of like, you're not, you're not being stingy with love. You're not withholding compassion. Being kind and compassionate, tenderhearted, forgiving each other, just as in Christ forgave you. Okay, there's no magic key, but everything hangs on the fact of that last part. Christ, God, forgave you. When Jesus said that on the cross, he showed the way. When I follow him, if I give my life to him, if I decide to follow him, all the pressure, all the disappointment, all those things that are in me to perform or to expect others to perform, or the plan I have for people, or the plan they have for me, all that dissolves when we decide Jesus Christ died so I don't have to perform anymore. He died so my independence doesn't define me. This changes everything. And today we have an opportunity to turn away from that pressure which buckles our knees to the point where we can ask Jesus to lead our life. And so I want to encourage you, on your connection card, if you pull out your connection card, and there's some, there's some next steps. And go ahead and pull that out. And we're gonna, as soon as I'm done, we're going to receive our offering. You can drop that connection card in there. But I, I want to invite people specifically, if you've never decided to follow Jesus, uh, we don't have an, an altar call. An altar call is when, you know, you come to the front and you say, I want to follow Jesus. And that, that actually is a, positive step. It's like an actual action step where you take and you said, I, I want to follow him. God, help me. That's when you decide, like, God, help me. What we do here is because we don't want decision to follow Jesus to be just an emotional decision. We want to actually talk with you so you understand what that, that means. If you've never decided to follow Jesus, there's a place on your connection card on the back where it says, send me info about and there's a place where you contact me about following Jesus. If you've never done that today, and the pressure I'm talking about is real, and the disappointment I'm talking about is real, and that strain to perform, God wants to re- pull that off you. And so if you're interested in following Jesus or figuring out what that means, uh, check that box and we'll follow up with you. Uh, there's a couple other next steps, too, uh, that you'll see on, the, on your handout, and you can write down. So... First is ask God to help me let go of. So I want you to think, this is just a, a thing you can do this next week. If you can go to the slide where it's got the different arenas. So here's something you can do this week. It's connect to that next step. Think through these important relationships. 
Do you have any unrealistic expectations for any of these people in your life? Your friends? You know, maybe it's just, I just expect them, every time I text, within two minutes, for them to text me back. I just thought of that right now, as you could imagine. But we can do that. Like, what, what's wrong? They don't like me? What'd I do? We're adults, but honestly, you guys have been there. It's like, something's wrong. Social media can mess us up. It's actually better when no one can get a hold of you. You can have thicker skin. Friends, spouse. You guys know what that is. I'm not even going to suggest, but, you know, just kind of look at each other and be like, let's talk. Coworkers, boss, siblings, kids, parents, extended family. And this is for you. What are some unrealistic expectations that you have? And ask God to show you. That's the first step. Just, do you have any? Where are they? What are they causing? That's the first step. Just ask God to help me let go of whatever that unrealistic expectation is. And then the, the, the last next step is to memorize Ephesians 4.32. For me, if I don't commit sometimes to just memorizing what the Bible says, I'm just living life my own way. When you memorize Scripture, it is truth at your disposal in the moment. And so you can see that verse. That's why I have them written out in your handout. It's there, and you, you can memorize it. Put it on an index card. Just look at it this next week. Be kind and compassionate to one another. Forgiving each other just as in God and Christ forgave you. You just say that to yourself. When somebody's just putting all this pressure on you, be kind and compassionate to one another. Oh, God, help me to melt this heart of stone. <laughs> That's what happens. And so I encourage you, take one of those next steps, and you can mark that on there. Uh, like Joel mentioned, uh, if you have prayer requests, uh, I, I see those prayer uh, connection cards every week. So if you have a prayer request and you write something down, I pray for you. And so please let me know if there's anything that you need prayer for. Uh, that, that's what we're here for. And so you can write that down. Uh, any other uh, next steps that I mentioned, you can put on there. Uh, any of the sign-ups, the meet-ups, different things. Uh, one last thing. Um, Joel didn't mention this, but there's a, a men's summit coming up the end of March. And I want to encourage you men that are here, that are around this area, to come to this. I think it will be a real encouragement to you. And so there's a flyer with info. Uh, the sign-ups are going to be the next couple weeks before the registration goes up. And so if you're interested in that, you could talk to me. And if I've never met you before, um, I'm going to be back by this info table by the front entrance. So please come and introduce yourself. I'd love to meet you. Let's pray, and we're going to receive our offering. Father, thank you for the example of your son, Jesus, who came, and despite everything he deserved, he gave it up. Despite everything he could expect for being the king, being God, he, he gave it up to be here so he could come and die and he could rise again. So it's in him that we can actually, in a real way, get past the pressure to perform, get past the expectations and to get past the disappointment. And so I, I pray if there's anyone here that just needs to hear this today, that, that you want to help them. You're calling out to help them, God. Help them to know that they can answer that call and they can decide to turn to you. Thank you for what you're doing at this church. Thank you for the fact that you lead us forward 
and you help us. So as we close out our receiving our offering and as we sing this song back to you, may you be honored in the name of the Lord Jesus.